Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. It's good to be with you again. Mm-hmm. We have, Matt, it's good to be with you. Thanks. As well. It's good, it's good to be with you, man. Yeah. So we're here together and with all of you listeners. So um, thanks for inviting us into your speakers, into your headphones. Thanks for not taking me for granted, by the way. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, I hope that's a healing uh, experience for you today. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> um, Friends, we've been uh, June has been a crazy busy podcast month for mm-hmm. us um, so far. We are um, releasing podcasts all over the place. We're doing our normal Tuesday podcasts, which are all about parenting right now. Uh, and then on Thursdays, we've been releasing these podcasts that have to do with the pandemic, which with all the protests and everything going on, um, you remember might that? remember that we're also that? going through a global pandemic that has oh. not gone away. And uh, in several states, uh, is actually uh, cases are increasing, all this stuff. So anyway, and then we had uh, Kirsch Cochran on as well to talk mm-hmm. about um, cops' perspective on police brutality. So anyway, mm-hmm. so hopefully you've been able to catch up on all this stuff, uh, or you know, maybe you're listening to this quite a bit later uh, because you haven't been able to catch up. But because the uh, pandemic is probably going to be with us for a while, this episode in particular, I think, will be helpful for you, even if you're listening to this in August just now getting around to it, Um, because Beth Felker-Jones has written some prayers uh, for the pandemic that um, that I think are really helpful. I think the pandemic brought about for us spiritual situations that we, as Americans, especially as Americans, are not used to encountering. Yep. Where it's not a problem to be fixed quickly. Uh, It is a situation to be lamented uh, for quite a while, yeah, uh, for a long time. There's no easy answers. And we're yep. not familiar with this spirituality very, very much hmm. here in America. Nope. No, and I think Beth's uh, book, uh, it's really just a, like, a, like a prayer journal that mm-hmm. helps us think about and frame and foment faithful prayers yeah. in this time. So yeah. anyway, and it I was think, great to yeah. chat with her, great to meet her. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, and I, I would just say this, it just occurred to me um, that, you know, the, the prayers were written for the pandemic, that's what the book is called, hmm. but it's, um, I think also there's a lot of similarities in the way that we lament 
um, what's happening, you know, the death and destruction that come through the pandemic. There's a lot of similarities in the way that we also then lament uh, some of the, you know, racist history yeah. um, of America that a lot of white people are just discovering, um, you know, uh, recently. And so uh, I think there's similar, they're different in some sense, because I think the the work for justice um, is something that is more immediately applicable to um, the, the racism conversation. But uh, the need for lament, the mm. need for um, empathy, uh, and kind of standing in that place and crying out to God, those are those are needed in both situations, both yes. kinds of situations. So, Amen. So enjoy this interview with Beth Felker Jones. Yeah, get ready for a pandemic. Dr. Beth Felker-Jones, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Glad to be with you. Beth, it's great to have you. I've read an, a couple of your books. You wrote one on sexuality, a brief little uh, book that was really good, super good. And you've written a, a book on the pandemic called Pandemic Prayers, Devotions and Prayers for a Crisis. We're going to talk about today. We're in this little series about how we're navigating this pandemic, this unprecedented time in human history. And none of us uh, had a class on this in seminary or even uh, had parents who taught us how to do this as kids. So we're making this up as we go. And we want to chat a little bit about prayer and how that guides us through. But before we do that, Beth, would you give us a brief introduction, who you are and what you spend your time doing? Glad to. Thanks for reading my work. That's always an honor. Hmm. Um, I teach theology at Wheaton College in Illinois, uh, where I help students think about uh, what we believe as Christians and how that matters for our uh, lives. Um, and I love that work. Uh, my calling is to teaching and uh, to writing, hmm. and uh, the two hmm. things overlap. I'm married to Brian. He's a United Methodist pastor. Uh, you can find him at the Pastor Brian podcast for daily prayer. Uh, oh, and we have four children. Um, and between the children and uh, and the work, that's that's really what I do. I like to read books for five times. Yeah, yeah. Four four kids. How old are they? What are the age ranges? Uh, my oldest is nineteen, and my youngest is ten. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're changing their own clothes, and and they can. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> on all who have little kids at home during this uh, time of quarantine, I, it's hard enough with kids who can pour yeah. the milk. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you're teaching and the quarantine hits and you're home and you're with your husband and your kids. And uh, I, I get the sense that this book, Pandemic Prayers, sort of arose out of your own need to begin to process and connect with God. Is that, is that how this emerged? That's right. Um, like all of us, right? It was uh, a surprise to suddenly find that our lives were changing in such dramatic ways. And you know, one of my basic convictions is that we're all called to use what gifts we have to love and serve uh, where we are. And so, uh, sort of in prayer, I hoped that uh, writing about my own process and my own uh, life of prayer in a really rough time might also be uh, a gift to others. Um, and so I wrote some daily uh, reflections and prayers uh, for the first, I think, five weeks that we were quarantined at home uh, and then bundled it up into this little book, Pandemic Prayers. 
So as you did this, um, it, it sort of began in Lent and then moved through Lent and, and you sort of wrapped this book up in Easter. And it struck me as I read it that that's a really good framing for this. Um, I think I'm more in touch with the Lent aspect of the pandemic than the Easter aspect of the pandemic. Can you speak a bit to how those two uh, seasons of the church year reflect a bit how we inhabit the pandemic as Christians? Mm. You know, I think every year um, living through the seasons of the church year gives them new meaning, new resonance right, for, for each Christian. But certainly I especially felt that uh, in the time of Lent and then the move into Easter um, in this extraordinarily hard uh, year. Uh, and like you, I was certainly feeling the Lent uh, much more than the Easter. And so as Easter rolled around, it was more challenging uh, to think about and to pray about celebration, joy, resurrection um, in a time in which we uh we're still in the middle of grief. But that, of course, is the case every Easter. Um, this Easter was maybe more obvious to all of us, uh, and it was imposed on us in some ways that uh, we all felt together as we weren't able to go to church and, and so on. Um, but it's always the case that when we get to Easter, we're still living in the midst of death and of suffering, um, and that Easter is a kind of preview or a foretaste um, of the day when that will be no more but it's a preview in the midst of, of the rough. So um, I think I'll always think about Easter differently uh, going forward um, yeah. as all the more joyful, right? Because it's a glimpse of something to come, but also mm -hmm. it's tempered in a certain way by the fact that uh, things are still hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For those of us who've only experienced first world problems, uh, this pandemic is, is sort of a wake-up call to how we live in an Easter reality when there are many things, uh, maybe our entire life, we would we would want to be different right now. I was putting my 11-year-old to bed last night, and he was telling me how sad he is. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "I don't want it to be summer break. I want to I want to be in school right now." Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if I, you know, for an 11-year-old to say that, you know, something's up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, I, I was struck by how apt your uh, little chapter on Julian of Norwich was and how poignant her story is for us. Mm. Um, would you just share yeah. a bit about, um, you know, I, I've, I've just been learning about what being an anchoress is and how she was an anchoress in this church and, and how she lived through two plagues. Would you just give us a brief sketch of her life and why you included her in this devotional sketch? I'd be really happy to because Julian is one of my favorite figures and someone I've loved for a long time and taught for a long time and um, come back to her writings over the years as they continue to mean more to me. Um, I turned to Julian in this time of pandemic because, as you just said, she too lived through plague, um, the Black Death, uh, coming through her town in uh, in England, uh, in Norwich, uh, twice in her lifetime, 
uh, and taking with it, of course, so many more victims um, mm -hmm. than coronavirus is taking. Um, so there's a lot we don't know about Julian. Um, she mm -hmm. wrote the first book of theology in English uh, by a woman, we think. Um, and we think we pro she probably lived uh, a layperson's life, which probably meant marriage and children, uh, before mm -hmm. uh, becoming uh, an anchoress. But again, we don't know for sure. Um, an anchoress or an anchorite, uh, if you were a man, was a kind of designated prayer person in a church. Um, and it's going to sound really strange how, how that was done. Uh, these folks were enclosed into the church in a special chamber. So they uh, took vows as this uh, prayer person, uh, and they became that anchor in the church of, of prayer. And so Julian would have taken her vows um, and been literally walled in, probably, uh, to this chamber, which she wouldn't leave until uh, her death. Wow. Uh, and I was just thinking about what that means, right? Uh, stuck in my own little split-level house in the suburbs, right? And unable to leave for some weeks, though not for the rest of my life. I was thinking about what it might have meant to Julian, right? To be enclosed in that way. Um, and how important it was that she wasn't enclosed to be walled off from the world, but she was enclosed specifically to be in a ministry of prayer uh, for the world. Mm -hmm. So the anchorite or anchoress would have had um, uh, three windows. Uh, they're enclosed, but not cut off, right? One window where people would um, take care for them, uh, bring their food, etc. cetera. Uh, one window to the street where people could come for prayer uh, and one window to the uh, sanctuary where they uh, could have uh, watched and, and received uh, mass uh, when that was held. And so there she is, right? Connected to like the, her earthly needs, uh, to the world and to, uh, to the church. Um, and if you need somebody to pray for you at three in the morning in medieval England, uh, the anchorite isn't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. And she, yeah. she speaks remarkably of the love of God. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Did she have a window where there were an eight year old and 11 year old asking for screen time nonstop <laughs> all day? <laughs> Because I feel like I feel like I can relate to her, kind of cooped up That'd in my house. More relatable content right there. Yeah, all <laughs> oh, the screen time—it's killing us all, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so then maybe Beth, I wonder if you could reflect with us. Like, what, um, hmm. what did you, what did you learn as you set about to pray through this pandemic? What, maybe where did you grow? How, how did God surprise you? What did you discover? Hmm. I think I learned in new ways, something that I'm always learning in my life of prayer, which is that I need to turn to God um, mm -hmm. always. Um, and that in the midst of uncertainty and fear and moments of despair, um, prayer actually really helps. Not that it's a magic pill to take, right? Not that it can uh, fix everything or, or uh make everything the way we would want it to be. Yeah. Uh, but it's really hard to feel the most broken when actively in conversation, right? With God our Father. Mm -hmm. um, and so in writing these uh, prayers and hoping to, to share them with others in a way that might be a blessing, um, I was just desperately seeking that myself, right? Um, a daily reminder, at least, um, that if I come before the Lord in prayer, uh, things are different in that space. Um, um, you know, I believe the same things I've believed for a long time, but reiterating them to oneself, um, and learning them anew through the power of the Spirit's work in active prayer uh, 
brings those things into your bones or into your heart um, in a new way or a deeper way. And I think that's a lifetime process too uh, for all of us. But certainly it's been a process for me in this uh, time of pandemic. How how about you, Sternke? Uh, you like uh, I've I've noticed you pray sometimes. <laughs> like what? <laughs> how has your Thank prayer you. life been shaped by this pandemic? Yeah, I think one of the things that's most and I I, I resonate with what you've been saying, Matt. About I I'm connecting with the Lent aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, although that the Easter aspect, uh, Beth is is I find that fascinating as well. Just that we. Like we reflect on two thousand years of Christ, like we we come to Easter with two thousand years of Christian reflection on what what the resurrection means. But I can imagine the initial disciples. I mean, they didn't know what was going on. It was probably like more frightening than anything. You know, like like what is happening? Like what is going on? And it takes them hundreds of years to just work out like what does this mean? And you know, anyway, all that kind of mm, thing. Mm. But I, I think one of the most important things for me has been getting in touch with the need for lament uh, in my in my prayer life and realizing, Matt, you mentioned first word pro- first world problems earlier. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's one thing to sort of realize, oh yeah, lament is legitimate. Uh, oh, there's lament in the Psalms. You know what I mean? Like the, it's one thing to realize that it that it's good to lament, but it's you can't really do it until you have something to lament. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I, I've found myself connecting more and more with the Psalms of complaint, the Psalms of lament. Like they they resonate more with me. I, I find myself speaking them like in the voice of the psalmist, sort of realizing, yes, like this is troubling. Mm-hmm. There are things out of my control that are not good for me or for the people I love. And mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do about it. I can't strategize better and fix the problem. And so I've yeah. got, I've, I'm crying out to the Lord. So it's, uh, that's been a, one thing that's happened for me, I guess, in my prayer life is I'm, I'm just getting in touch with, and I see it everywhere now. You know what I mean? Like you realize, wow, the, the biblical witness is like, it didn't, it wasn't written by people who are on top of the world and experiencing only first world problems. These are people with real issues and enemies and, you know, like bad mm-hmm. things are happening and in the midst of that, we're crying out to the Lord. So that's uh, a bit of, I guess, how my prayer life has been shaped by the pandemic. Mm. Um, and I've been greatly helped by people who have taken the time to write prayers, like like yours, Beth. Um, people who have taken the time to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna gather my response here to the Lord into a format that is that can be shared, and that can give articulation maybe to some of the." unarticulated groanings of, uh, of other people. So yeah. again, really grateful if it can be helpful. And uh, yeah. there's a section in the book on prayers of lament uh, coming from the Psalms. Uh, and this is something I've often talked with students about how, how little we incorporate lament into Western worship. Um, yeah. A time like this, you know, invites us uh, to return more deeply to the witness of scripture there mm-hmm. uh, and to enter into the sorrowing um, of a world in need. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. 
In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. And I think that it's so important because the I've listened to a couple uh, people talk about this. I think when we're not experiencing the, the, these kinds of sorrows, it's easy to think that like the problem of evil, so to speak, is this intellectual sort of exercise where I think, well, how is God or what's God or why did God, you know, that those questions uh, I think become or should become for us less relevant as we engage in these things and and to say actually the the christian witness is not to ask some philosophical question about what god might be or why did god do this or not do this you know but the christian witness is that in the midst of the bad things we we cry out to god and we talk about how yeah. bad they are yeah. <laughs> like that's the christian witness this is really <laughs> bad god and naming how bad they are is telling the truth about what sin does in this world um, yeah yeah it's not um, it's not anything but truth telling, and that's something we're certainly called to. Yes. yeah, that I was struck by that this morning, Beth. Um, I woke up and immediately, I don't know if uh, you can relate to this. I've got like twelve books I'm in the middle of right now, and it's like right next to my nook. <laughs> and I've got, them, yeah. Stack, yeah, I, yeah. and uh, I, I have to uh, I don't pray first thing in the morning. I feel like I need to like, breathe and wake up and get my mind turned on. And so I, I, I read a little bit and then I'll pray. Um, and this morning I was able to name for like the first time this, uh, this uneasiness, this anxiety, this uh, worry, fear. I don't, uh, um, again, I, I said I was able to name it and now I can't name it, but <laughs> like this uneasiness in me as I sat to read and I felt this permission to just be sad. Mm. Um, and I, I felt it. I use a, a bookmark in, in one of my books. It's um, my mom passed away suddenly a year and a half ago. Mm. And um, uh, the, the funeral home had these little prayer cards that they handed out with her name on the back. And uh, we paid for more than we had. So I, I grabbed like 30 of them and I use them as bookmarks. Mm. And I just saw my mom's name there. And it brought a like sadness. And then I was able to get in touch with like just the sadness. I, my son is sad. He was telling me last night how sad he is. He mm -hmm. wishes he wants to go back to school. And, mm -hmm. and I, I was able to actually feel sad. Mm. And I guess it struck me this morning that I, I stink at letting myself feel sad. Mm. Mm. I can I conceptualize sadness, but. That's true for so many of us, um, maybe especially in, you know, U.S. Christianity, um, yeah. uh, there's a kind of strand of almost forced optimism, which I think, again, yeah. we can just let go of and tell the truth about the brokenness of things. And, you know, sadness about the brokenness of things really affirms that those things are good, um, that God made them and they're good and they have good uh, purposes right. in the world. Um, it's not a kind of denial of God's good work. It's a saying, yes, when this thing is is groaning, um, that's mm. a real loss. Yeah. yeah. It's okay to feel sad about sad things. I, I, I like that perspective, Beth, that it's just truth-telling. 
we're just telling the truth about this that is sad and we're allowing ourselves but but you know like we've said like we're we're not formed we haven't been formed into that like our culture mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. like as americans our culture has not formed us to be people who welcome sadness or know what to do with it mm-hmm. so it's no wonder that we're sort of bad at it mm-hmm. um i think that yeah. uh, that's been an important uh, piece of grace for me as well to realize mm-hmm. oh the reason i'm not you know i haven't made this decision to be bad at being sad you know what i mean like mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's just <laughs> a natural result of growing up where i did and so it's okay that i'm bad at this yeah. <laughs> it's okay that i'm learning to feel sad yeah. It's okay that I don't know what I'm doing. That's part of it. So. Yeah. 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 Beth, can I can uh, can I confess something else to you? I feel Please. so yeah. I feel so safe around you, and uh, <laughs> you've you've been praying. I think more than I have, so I, I need your help. Uh, I I don't know when I when I hear Christians. Uh, we have a good friend of ours um, came on our podcast a couple months ago, right at the beginning of this, and he was saying, you know, as Christians, we need to be standing against this virus like actively praying in light of the resurrection against sort of the powers that be and the death and the the domain of darkness and anything that brings death and destruction and decay because uh, christ has triumphed over this and you know and I, i'm saying amen i feel like I, I sometimes i don't feel like i have the faith to do that um mm. sometimes i look at a hundred thousand people dead and uh it feels false or fake to stand in the place of Christ and his resurrection and pray, you know, virus be gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, What have you learned about holding um, lament and victory together? How do you Mm -hmm. sort that out in your prayer life? Yeah. First, let me say I'm no exemplar of prayer. I'm <laughs> wading through these waters uh, as as we all are, and trying to be honest about how bad I am at it. Um, uh, but on this tension, right, uh, lament and victory, um, mm-hmm. theologians sometimes like to talk about this as an already not yet of the kingdom, right? Already, um, the fullness of God's kingdom is breaking in. Christ is Lord. Resurrection has happened, right? But it's also not yet the case that um, that we're living in that completely. Right? It's still the mm-hmm. case that we're grown under the weight of sin and death, um, and that so much sad uh, is here in the world. And so uh, we notice in the scriptures that uh, these things are kind of always held together. Uh, we're supposed to be between the already and the not yet. And I think mm-hmm. if we look at church history, we can see that we go wrong if we only talk about one of those, right? So I think if we're all victory, 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 without remembering also the lament, it does mm-hmm. become false, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not yet the day when uh Christ returns in power and every knee bows, right? Um, And it's not yet the day when death is fully and finally defeated. And so victory, yes, Um, Mm. but also no. Um, And we have to hold on to that, no. And I think um, for those of us who, you know, in the West, relatively wealthy, relatively protected against sickness and suffering, we've sometimes forgotten uh, how true um, the no still is. Um, yes. And we have much yeah. to learn from Christians throughout history and from Christians around the world who are more aware than we have been maybe before the last few months that of course we're still dying. Right? Yeah. And we, we continue to call out uh, for God. 
So I think absolutely to the victory, right? Um, but it has to be held together with the the not yet, yeah. which requires moment. Yeah, I think I think that's that's helpful for me because I think oftentimes that you know, and I believe in that. I believe in the you know what I mean. Like you look at how Jesus prayed for healing, and it's like, man, that's like, and the early apostles, right? They sort of tell people to get better, you know, and tell demons to go away and tell headaches to go away and that kind of thing. And I believe in that, but I, I think the the way into learning to pray like that is not to fake the faith. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes we try to psych ourselves into that, but it's probably telling the truth about our lack of faith mm-hmm. and, you know, and praying on that basis, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. confessing that to the Lord and, but also confessing our desire to learn how to pray in faith as well. Absolutely. And ultimately, mm. it's not in our power, right? I believe in that kind of prayer, too, to, pr- to pray for healing, to pray for right. a miracle. Right. But it can go wrong um, when people claim that if the healing or the miracle doesn't come as, the, as we expected, um, that totally. it's our own lack of faith. Yes, um, yes. And that, again, forgets how much not yet is still a part of this, of this yes. world. So. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. The it's a good word. Them together, uh, I think, is, is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And one of the th- one of the things that struck me this morning as I was sad is I realized, um, I mean, I'm thinking of John chapter 11, where we're told several times that Jesus like ugly cried at mm-hmm. Lazarus's tomb, you know, mm-hmm. and then he says, remove the stone. And um, I told you, you'd see God's glory. And this is happening for your benefit. And Lazarus come out. And I, I think, you know, some some of the uh, unfortunate images we have of Jesus make him sort of the stoic uh, Gnostic kind of floating above the sea of emotions. And we don't get that picture at all here. When Jesus is doing battle with death, he is full on uh, crying and he's, he's f- yeah. and, and he's full on commanding death to leave. And I, uh, I wonder if that's not um, a word you're, your devotion, your book of prayers gives us, Beth, is that like, we got to experience it all. Um, unless you're willing to be sad, you can't experience the victory. Um, mm-hmm. You know, open and open up to all of it. Yeah. I think that's a lesson we all have to keep learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for this book. Uh, again, it's called Pandemic Prayers, Devotions and Prayers for a Crisis. It's on Amazon Kindle. It's uh, super affordable, you know, you can't go to Starbucks anyway, so you might as well buy a, a prayer book on Kindle for the price of a Starbucks <laughs> cup of coffee. Uh, uh, Beth, how can we connect with you? Uh, are you do you hang out on the social medias at all? Sure, I'm on Twitter uh, at Beth Felker Jones uh, and Instagram at BF Jones. I think uh, also on Facebook, <laughs> where um, uh, I first wrote many of the prayers that are here in the Pandemic Prayers uh, volume. Um, and you can find that in my other books uh, on Amazon or at any bookstore. The Pandemic Prayers will be available in print from Whiffin's Doc in a few months. But for now, it's okay. just Great. Well, thanks for being with us today. Uh, thanks for detailing your journey of prayer through yeah. the first few months of this pandemic. It's a, it's a, it's a welcomed mentor and guide for us. So thank you. Amen. Yep. Thanks so yep. much. Glad to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Peace. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. 
If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.